Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. All right, we're talking stocks with David Bonson of the Bonson Group, Divin, author of the DividendCafe.com, and Jim Urio of uh, TJM Institutional Services. Jim Urio, just as a quick point, um, you are in the restaurant business. Uh, with respect to this potential blowout GDP number of 5% coming up this week, are you seeing that kind of... Um, that kind of demand, consumer spending no. in your restaurants? No, we're not. Actually, it's gone. It's gone. Our restaurants have gone down a little bit. Some of that's seasonal too, uh, in October, but a little bit worse than last year. And our restaurant too is at a price point that I think is very would be very advantageous in this sort of market, like uh, you know affordable luxury. We're like an upscale pub, and mm. uh, we have seen a little bit of a downtick. Nothing to be very worrisome, but it's not like um, you know going gangbusters that it was six months ago. All right, I get it. Um, what's your so? Give us some stock market wisdom. We've kicked around interest rates and the Fed, and I don't think anybody is satisfied with the story. But um, what happens to the stock market? That's part of the that's part of the issue with the stock market. There's nobody satisfied with the story when there's volatility like this in the bond market. That's the first thing that happens is you get kind of scared, and then risk assets suffers like we see in the stocks. And then the second part of that is that the higher rates go up, the less attractive stocks look. You know, based on I actually one of my favorites is that Greenspan model about earnings yield versus you know investable yield in the Treasury growth, and that's starting to look less and less good for stocks. So I'm not I'm not particularly high on stocks. I also don't think it's the big one. Uh, you know, the market position usually and lack of respect for risk usually fuels the big big moves that we've seen in the past. And I don't think that I think that's about four thousand. And the things I like that I've liked for six months, I still like gold, oil oil-related stocks, and Bitcoin. And, again, I barely even know what Bitcoin is, but I've been watching the price pretty closely, and it seems to hold up in the sort of conditions I mm. think are going to happen. Gold did very well last week. Very well, yeah. Back, it's uh, heading back towards 2000. I'm just looking. You're right about Bitcoin. It's holding just less than 30,000. Um, year-to-date, it's up 79%. David Bonson, and I'm not what's... one of those lunatic Bitcoin people, by the way, either. I just think if all this, this broad participation by the, you know, these blue-blood institutional companies that have happened over the year has given some validity to it, and I think that that could fuel a good move. All right. Dave Bonson, what's, uh, what's your stock market take? Well, we're still very heavily weighted in energy. It's our number one sector. It has been for three years. Uh, we think midstream in particular – is very undervalued. Um, there's a very contrarian idea here that a guy like President Biden is really good for the big cap names in mm. upstream and midstream energy because he doesn't let any new production happen, and it increases the value of incumbent assets. When there's no new pipelines, the people who already have pipelines are more important. And the same thing upstream. The only companies that can afford to buy anybody else right now or do anything are Chevron and Exxon. And Exxon's going to own about a third of the Permian Basin here pretty quick. So we, we love the energy story. And then um, you're getting to a point, Larry, where consumer staples are pretty oversold. They've had a tough go here. Uh, I think that their margins are going to hold. Uh, they have a lot of pricing power. And then when volumes do come back next year, they're going to be in record profits. So we're, we have certain key consumer staple names we like. But Jim's right. Stocks are expensive. The market the, as an index, you have seven companies. They're trading 50 times earnings, and they're the entire return of the market. 439, 493 companies, rather, um, are, are flat on the year. 
So that it's not a good market when it's that top heavy. As far as my friend Jim Irio and Bitcoin, I can only say <laughs> that nothing in the history of the world has ever ended well when nobody who owns something knows why the hell they own it. <laughs> David Bonds is too smart. I won't be on with him anymore. <laughs> you know, who said Bonson doesn't have a sense of humor? <laughs> That's very, very good. The aforementioned David Bonson. Terrific stuff. And my great pal, Jim Urio. Thanks, gentlemen. Folks, stick around. we got Money in Politics coming up with Steve Moore and Liz Peake. The world was a safer place under Donald Trump. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. <laughs> From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're going to do some money in politics with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore of Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline, and the WABC radio host of More Money. Welcome back, kids. I am reading The Hill. Liz Peek, the world was safer under Donald Trump. <laughs> there you have it. I... I put. I looked. I blinked. I looked again. There it was. The world was safer under Donald Trump, and the byline was Liz Peek. I'm, Liz, good work. Well, I, I mean, the evidence is pretty clear, right? Uh, uh, it's pretty hard to argue otherwise. When during Trump's presidency, we had basically no wars. We were not embroiled in any major conflicts, and I think the anecdote that I talk about in that piece really sticks with me, Larry. And and it's, it goes to carrots and sticks. So people have talked about Biden being all carrots, no sticks. And I think we would all agree with that. When Trump first met President Xi uh, of China, our biggest adversary, over dinner at Mar-a-Lago with wives and a very elegant dinner, Trump accounts how uh, over a wonderful piece of chocolate cake, he mm-hmm. left the table, came back, and announced that we had basically bombed Syria in retaliation for Assad's poison gas attack on men, women, and children, which offended Trump to the point where he said to his military, what can we do? And this is what they suggested, bomb the airstrip from which those poison gas attacks had taken place. For a Chinese leader to have this disruptive, unexpected, undiplomatic coup over dinner was an incredible shock. And I thought it really sort of set the tone for Trump's presidency and certainly our encounters with China. I think from that moment on, the world knew that Trump would take decisive action when pushed to do it. And let's face it, he used the clout, military and financial, of the United States in many important ways, whether it was renegotiating trade agreements or setting red lines in terms of what terrorists could do, etc., I thought it was very impressive, and I don't think you can deny it. You can hate other things about Donald Trump, but the truth is the world was in a better place when he was president. Well, listen, he bombed uh, ISIS to smithereens. He took out al-Baghdadi. He took out Soleimani, the uh, big shot uh, from Iran. He actually enforced the Iranian sanctions, so they stopped, basically stopped, you know, hardly produced any more oil. Their foreign exchange reserves were at rock bottom. The country was basically uh, bankrupt. And then he countered that with the Abraham 
uh, accords. So I think you're quite right. Um, not to speak of the chocolate cake, which I don't know to this day if she could finish his chocolate cake. I, I, I mean, I just think that was news. such a wonderful detail, right? <laughs> Over a delightful piece of chocolate cake. It's his favorite thing at Merrill. It's Trump's favorite dessert at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> actually. And it is very, very good. But Steve Moore, I mean, you know, the world has blown up under Joe Biden. I had Walter Russell meet on uh, distinguished historian, foreign policy right. professor at mm-hmm. the top of the show, writing about this, how during the Biden years, uh, we've lost our deterrent, basically, and all the bad guys around the world are now taking advantage of the fact that we've lost our deterrent. And even now, you know, with this Israeli war and the whole blow up in the Middle East, uh, they let the ballistic missile sanctions on Iran expire. All right. They, have, we have, they expired as of Wednesday. And uh, no, nothing has been put in to replace them, at least on a multilateral basis. I mean, it's really quite extraordinary uh, how much things have deteriorated in um, a little less than three years under Joe Biden. There's no doubt about it. And, and it goes back to, I guess, uh, T.R., who said, carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Reagan, who said uh, that uh, weakness is provocative. And right now we're weak. I mean, I, I hate to say that about our great country, but let's face it, we're weak right now. Uh, why are we... A great report just came out by my friends at OpenTheBooks.com, Larry. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Biden has given a billion dollars to Palestine. Mm-hmm. A, a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Right. Why? Right. I mean, this is just so outrageous. By the way, you can buy a lot of rockets with a billion dollars. Yeah. And then, you know, you and I talked about this on your show the other night. I said uh, that I thought the amount of oil uh, exports by uh, Iran have risen by 50 billion. You said 80 billion. I, I don't know which one of us is right, but either way, that's a whole hell of a lot of money. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, Larry, but, you know, uh, Trump basically bankrupted the Iranians with mm-hmm. his drilling policies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've said it so many times on your show that this is not just bad. You know, when you declare war on American energy, you're not just declaring war on the American economy, you're declaring war you're making the world a much less uh, safe place. And I'll say it again. I, d- I do not believe that we would see tanks in Ukraine right now if Trump had still been president. I really mm-hmm. don't. I don't mm-hmm. think that Russia would have had the money. So it's, it's, a, it's a really bad situation. I think that um, Liz has, has summarized it well. What did we have under Trump, whether you like the guy or not? You had peace and you had prosperity. Yeah. Well, that's what we need. We need peace and prosperity. Well, that's one reason why, you know, this um – uh, Harvard, Mark Penn's Harvard Caps Harris Bowl survey just came out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, registered voters, 2,100 registered voters. Uh, Trump 39, Biden 33, Kennedy 19, <laughs> 9% undecided. When you ask the undecideds who they'll break for, 42 Trump, 36 Biden. And if you take Kennedy out of the race, uh, Trump uh, 46, Biden 41. I mean, the polls show it. And I think this story, if anything, Biden's deterioration on foreign policy is going to get worse. Uh, No matter how much he supports uh, Israel, which is a good thing, and I commend him for supporting Israel so far. He's done a good job. The fact is Iran has been let loose. 
and they appeased Iran, and they did not enforce the sanctions in Iran, uh, Janet Yellen notwithstanding. And yeah. by the by, let me just toss in a, a really stupid thing this past week. You probably saw it. Uh, the Bidens are uh, uh, weakening the sanctions on Venezuela oil uh, and gas, which yeah. is absolutely <laughs> pathetic. Yeah, and and can I just say something about that Venezuela thing? I just (laughs) tweeted this, actually, because it just makes my blood boil. The Wall Street Journal, where I think the reporting kind of gets more and more left-leaning, reports that the uh, Biden White House has lifted sanctions on Venezuela in order to stabilize that country's economy, which admittedly (laughs) is in free fall, and over time to dissuade migrants from coming to the U.S. Not a word <laughs> about putting a lid on oil prices so that Joe Biden can get reelected. Right. I mean, give but, me a break. And, and in Liz, fact, Liz, you don't understand. They're going to have fair and open elections right now. Maduro yeah, has uh, promised yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly. And by the way, the elections don't have to happen until second half of next year when, by the way, we are, you know, probably done with our election. I mean, yeah. do they think we're that stupid? Yeah, well, the answer is probably yes. By the way, Venezuela is a communist country. Venezuela is run by the Cuban military and the Cuban secret police. I know a fair amount about that, having worked on it when I was in the government. I mean, it's just it just adds icing to the chocolate cake, except in reverse. I mean, yeah. they just to allow that to happen is quite remarkable. And still, they have not said a word about not only Iran's oil production, but their sales to China. You know, Trump cut off Trump's nose. Ships were interdicted, okay, if they were heading for China. That's the way he enforced those sanctions, and they have not mentioned that. And President Biden didn't mention it in his speech on Wednesday night. Well, I mean, because they don't want to go there. You know, why? So the question is, really, why don't they want to go there? Is it really fear that this military uh, offensive that is being conducted via Iranian pro- uh, proxies will spread. There's a pretty big piece in the Telegraph today about a very well-coordinated, organized uh, assault, effectively multi-pronged assault being carried out by Iranian proxies northwest, uh, north and south of uh, Israel and also west. I mean, this is happening. It is Visible. I mean, we're seeing all these uh, rocket attacks from um, from uh, uh, the north of, of the country, and also attacks from Yemen. Now, yeah, this, this is really Yemen. this right. is really a bad thing. And it's not like all these terrorists just woke up one day and said, "Oh gosh, let's go send some rockets towards Israel." This is being coordinated, funded, and organized by Iran. And so the fact that we don't want to call them out. In his speech the other night, Biden says we will continue to hold them accountable. No, we don't. No, we won't. We're not doing anything to hold them accountable. Steve, you read uh, Walter Russell Mead in the journal? I had him on the show. Uh, He's writing fabulous things about appeasing Iran. Iran is unappeasable. And Biden's, that's the inconvenient fact. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to use that very term. Uh, you know, we we are back to Neville Chamberlain appeasement. And yeah. for those who <laughs> know their history, you know, that was one of the things that really uh, launched World War II was the appeasement in Europe. And where is it? When has it ever worked? It didn't work for Jimmy Carter. It didn't work, uh, you know, and it's never worked. And what Reagan knew, and I think Trump picked this up from Reagan, is that, you, you know, the, all the foreign countries love 
Biden. You know, he'd go overseas to these United Nations meetings or the OECD or the Gang of Eight, and he'd pass out money. Right. Yeah. And, he, and they, oh, we love Joe Biden. He's the greatest president. They didn't like Trump too much because, you know, the old adage is we want a president who is respected and feared, not yeah. loved. And we don't have that right now. They're, they are, you know, as Trump used to say, the rest of the world is laughing behind our back. Remember, he used to say that, Larry? Mm-hmm. And he was yeah. right. And yeah. they're laughing at yeah. us. Right. <laughs> Russia's laughing at us. Iran's laughing at us. All, the, all these countries don't, China. don't hire, China. don't, don't, they're not afraid of us. Yeah, China, too. I mean, that's going to be yeah. a big problem. China's going to be a problem. No, the same thing, by the way, Larry, with the whole thing about green energy. It's like everything that China is doing is is fossil fuels, building coal plants. And, and then Biden, they say to Biden, oh, yeah, we're all in on the green energy. No, they're not. Why don't you watch what they do, not what they say? There you go. That's exactly right, by the by. All right, quick break. Liz Peake, Fox News contributor. Steve Moore, Committee to Unleash Prospect. By the way, Steve Moore, quickly, how was the North Dakota governor? How was he? Oh, he was fabulous. In yeah. fact, when people listen to the show after yours, I have a great interview, a 10-minute interview with the great governor, uh, Doug Burgum of North Dakota. Why doesn't he endorse Trump? He could be the energy secretary. He, sh- he should be the energy or commerce secretary. Really, really great. And, you know, what do, what do Trump and Bergam have in common? They're businessmen. Yes, <laughs> they understand right. the market. Yes. Yeah. Very good. All right. Quick break. Liz Peake and Steve Moore. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking money of more money following this show on many of these same stations. Uh, Steve Moore, we need a House speaker. Uh, I know. I know. I know. I, I don't. Larry, I am just, I'm so infuriated by the events of the last two weeks and you know everything has gone wrong um and here's where i am in my thinking let's bring back kevin mccarthy he was a good speaker you know look nothing else has worked i think steve police would have been a good speaker i think jordan would have been a speaker let's just go back to to mccarthy here's the uh here's a point that i think a lot of people are missing mccarthy was a was a good strong speaker. I didn't always agree with them, Larry, but I, I thought he, he did a very good job. But here's the other thing people are forgetting about this. Kevin McCarthy raised $100 million for the party. We're, who, who else can do that, Larry? You can't win these races. They have a four-seat majority. We're going to lose 20 seats if we don't bring back someone like him. So let's have a campaign to bring back Kevin McCarthy, and you can talk to your friend uh, from Florida and maybe get him straightened out on this. But yeah, my we need a strong speaker. Newt Gingrich was a strong speaker. I thought, uh, you know, we had. Ba- I thought Boehner was a pretty good speaker. I thought Paul, McCart- uh, Paul McCartney, Paul, Paul Ryan did a pretty good job as speaker mm-hmm. too. But you got to have somebody who's in charge, and to have a mamby pamby in there, that's not going to work. You know, Liz. Uh, I mean, they keep coming up with more candidates. There's a new list of candidates. I just. I don't see any of them. I mean, they're going to have to compromise. I, I was perfect. I agree with Steve. I was perfectly happy with Kevin McCarthy. 
but they've got very important work to do. And one of the key things there, this um, supplemental uh, security funding bill that Biden announced, you know, he's throwing everything in there. Yeah. He's, he's equating uh, Ukraine with Israel, which I think is a big mistake. Each of these things should be looked at separately, including uh, he wants about a billion dollars for the border, but it has nothing to do with closing the border. It has to do with expediting uh, people coming into the border. All of this stuff has to be worked on, but you can't do it because the House can't meet because they don't have a speaker. Yeah, it's just insufferable. I mean, they have got to figure this out. I almost wonder, I, I agree with you. I thought Kevin McCarthy was doing a pretty good job of hurting the cats. And honestly, what he came up against was a personal grievance by uh, Matt Getz. I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to. And unfortunately, Getz had a, a group of six that went along with him. I don't know if any of those minds can be changed. I'm, I'm, I was shocked by Nancy Mace being part of that group. I think a couple of the others also could be talked around. Uh, probably it would take Donald Trump himself to actually get those guys in the room and say, hey, we, we got to yeah. get this, you know, we got to get over this because the American people are looking at this and saying, why did I vote Republican? And boy, Larry, if we don't get a Republican in the White House next year and we don't take back the Senate and improve the margin in the House, I cannot imagine four more years yeah. of the leadership, lack of leadership we've seen and the horrific spending. Somebody actually has to stand up and be a grown-up right now. I would love to see Donald Trump use his enormous influence Hmm. and help get Kevin McCarthy back in that chair. It's a tough call, Steve Moore. You know, there has to be a compromise here. Um, I I just, I don't, of the names out there, I I don't see the compromise candidate. I just don't see it. And I don't even understand now, Steve, what is it that they're bickering over? (laughs) <laughs> Besides, pers- yeah. you know, and it's not like it's a left versus right issue. No, it's personalities. Yeah, it seems to be, which is the worst kind of politics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the people they're talking about right now, like Patrick McHenry and Emmer, I mean, they're fine. But I think you need, a, you know, what, what we were just talking about, you know, you need strength. You need, mm-hmm. you know, you need somebody who, who can, uh, you know, whip these guys into order. And, and so... Um, I, I just wish that we could get back to where we were. McCarthy, you know, I, I keep coming back to him because I thought he, and I think you agree with me, Larry, I thought he negotiated a good deal with Biden on the mm-hmm. debt ceiling, mm-hmm. you know. And what are these guys so angry about? And what do they think that they're going to get that's that's better than, uh, than Kevin McCarthy? And by the way, he carried a lot of these people, even, even Liz, the six or seven voted against him. He helped carry those people over the goal line and get him elected. You know, what's really offensive is that they blame him for not getting the appropriations bills done on time. My understanding is the reason (laughs) he didn't is because they kept injecting into those bills things that never possibly could have gotten through the Senate and even couldn't get through the Republican vote. So it's really it came down to Matt Getz being peeved at McCarthy for personal reasons, I believe. uh, And they did this one idea I had, because maybe. As you point out, I don't think any of the people who've come forward, even Byron McDonald's and so forth, uh, really are going to be able to get any kind of coalition together, is going outside. Lee Zeldin has been mentioned. It would be very interesting right now to have a Jew become head, uh, become the Speaker mm-hmm. of the House. I think that would be a very clarifying moment 
uh, for mm-hmm. Republican leadership and a great contrast to what's mm-hmm. going on in the Democratic Party. We got to remember at some point we are fighting the Democrats. We should right. not be fighting ourselves. And that's, that's kind so of the true. big problem right now. So speaking true. of Zeldin, the Democrats are the anti-Semitic poli- uh, party. That's right exactly now. right. Exactly. I mean, you know, that's really something. The far left is uh, they're dragging the Democrats into this incredible anti-Semitism on Israel. Yep. Just as bad as these college campuses. Steve Moore, this $106 billion supplemental, you know, Biden's trying to do this uh, all in one bucket, and it should be broken out and looked at separately, shouldn't it? Of course. And, and, you know, more and more, the Ukraine issue is very, very uh, controversial within our movement. I'm, I'm against it. I don't know mm. where you guys stand on it, but I, you know, I think uh, how much that money actually even gets to Ukraine. And I also feel pretty strongly that, you know, what, what we, what we do here, we got to pay for some of this stuff. We got to yeah. cut other government spending. I mean, well, let's get rid of the $380 billion green energy slush fund and use that money to defend Israel and the Ukraine. Amen. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> Think Biden will go for that? I mean, it's an it's an it's an omnibus bill. This supplemental, it's another omnibus bill, and that is just completely and wrong. By the way, hundred million of that is is for quote humanitarian aid. Yes. Where's that going to go? It's going to go to this Hamas. Ha- Hamas. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. It's a Hamas spending bill. Yeah. It's terrific stuff. And yeah, holding up the Israeli invasion. Holding up the Israeli invasion. Not good. All right, kids, we're going to have to leave it there. Liz Peake, thank you ever so much. Steve Moore, by the way, folks, WABC, more money coming up on many of these same stations. I'm Kudlow. We will see you next weekend. Thank you.